Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, continuing our study through the book of Galatians. Through the book of Galatians, we understand that salvation is by grace alone, not of works. No one has ever been saved by works, and especially not now. Galatians chapter 3. Now, what I want you to do when you get to the book of Galatians, when you get to chapter 3, what I want you to do is put your marker there and close the Bible for a minute. It's interesting that in these verses, from verse 25 through verse 29, there is the, the root of five major heresies in Christianity. So I'm going to read this text as if you wouldn't check it out. I'm going to read this text as if we were not a church that believes that every word of God is pure. All right? Let me read the, let me read the text to you. For ye are all the children of God. For as many of you as have been baptized, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one. Then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That is the basis for all of liberal Christianity. What I just said. There are churches all over the world today where people will go to church and they'll, they'll get up and they'll put on their best clothes and they'll take a bath. And they'll come to church. What's going on back here? Some people didn't do that. Is that what's... All right. Um, all over the world, there are people that are going to church today or something that would call itself a church. And that's what they're hearing. The message that I just gave you is what they're hearing. Now open your Bibles. Let's look at what it actually says. And let's see what's been left out. Galatians chapter 3, and let's start reading in verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. See, if I stand up and say, hey, look, we're all God's children. Can't we all just get along? Then the world will love you. But if you tell them we can be one by faith in Jesus Christ, that we can be the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ, then you're a bigot, then you're hateful. Right? Look at the next verse. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's an interesting verse, isn't it? It's an interesting verse. We'll look at that. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. Now, that's one of the passages that's used to allow um, homosexual relationships. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Then look at verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So look at what we left out. In verse 26, by faith in Christ Jesus. Then into Christ have put on Christ in verse 27. Verse 28, in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29. And if ye be Christ's, do you think there's some significance to those phrases. 
Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll try and understand some of that significance this morning. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Lord, um, I'm so thankful that you uh, had me born into a home where my parents believed your word, and so I was introduced to this at a young age. Lord, there are others here who were not born into a Christian home, but you still brought people into their path to hear the truth of the Word of God. Lord, prepare us today to take this Word to someone who's in a church that will not tell them all of the truth. Father, help us not to be arrogant in our gift, but to humbly express what's been given to us. Lord, we're so thankful for Your Word, and we do believe every word. We have esteemed every one of Thy righteous precepts to be true. So, Father, help us to to study this and understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't have you read verse 25. Let's look at the first of the heresies that comes from this passage. Isn't it interesting that the book of the Bible that is the bedrock for the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith is the springboard for so much false doctrine? That's what happens when you twist God's Word. So it happens when you change it. So look at verse 25. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. How many of you young people can't wait till you're not under a schoolmaster? Yeah, all right. What is the schoolmaster? Look at verse 24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. The law teaches us that we can't keep the law. If you examine your own life for just a little bit of time, you understand that you can't keep the law. Uh, I think it's Ray Comfort that uses the, uh, the law to give people the gospel in a, in a, in a very, very effective way. And he asks, so, you know, he asks a man, have you, ever had, have you ever lusted after a woman? Well, according to Jesus Christ, you've committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever stolen anything? Yes. Have you ever lied? Yes. Well, then according to your own testimony, you're a lying, thieving adulterer, and you're going to stand before God with that. And that's just three. There's 614. Right? So what the law does is it demonstrates to us that we can't be good on our own. We can't be righteous. We can't be holy. There's nothing that we can do to overcome the sin that's in our life. That's why we need a Savior. That's why salvation is by grace through faith. But here's the heresy that comes from verse 25. Now, let me be careful how I say that. The Bible does not teach heresy. (laughs) Amen? This is what they take this to teach. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. There is a teaching called antinomianism. Now, this is a blessing. This is, we'll get past this in a minute. But antinomianism, it, it comes from the Greek word nomos, which means law. All right? Law. Antinomianism is that there is no law, and that means you can do anything you want to. There's nothing that's wrong. Just live. Have fun. If it feels good, do it. Who are you to judge me? That's where that philosophy, that's where that teaching comes from this teaching of antinomianism. Well, of course, we're not under the law. How many of you are glad we're not under the law? Praise God. But does that mean we can do whatever we want to do? One of the... um, Man, I think the first time I had this conversation, I was 11, 12, 13 years old. Someone said to me, you're a Baptist, right? And I said, yes. So you think once saved, always saved? Yes. So you think that you could kill somebody and still go to heaven? Yeah. Yeah. And people, they just lock up on that. Now, let me say this. Don't kill somebody. 
<laughs> okay, that's, that's not it. Let's look at what the Bible says about it. Look with me in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. This is our relationship with the law. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. All right? So we are in liberty. Is that what the Bible says? What is liberty? Freedom. Is that real liberty? Is it not real liberty? Is that right? We're free. We're, we're supposed to stand fast in that and not become entangled again into the yoke of bondage. What was the yoke of bondage? Living under the law. Believing that you have to obey the law in order to be a Christian. The, 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 the apostle through the Holy Spirit is making it very clear that we stand in liberty. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 10, 23. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. If you're used to a formal church, this may be a shock to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, look at verse 23. And, and so here's what we have to ask ourselves as we look at this. And I'll ask you and see if you'll answer me out loud. Do you believe every word of God? Amen. Yes. All things are lawful for me. Is that what the Bible says? Is that true? All things are lawful for me. But then look at what it says. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Now, that's not the liberal understanding of that. You know, the Democrats always seeking somebody else's wealth, right? This is talking about my job is to see to it that you do well. My job is to edify you, to build you up. So while all things are lawful for me, I can go to heaven and as a believer, I can do anything that I want to do and still go to heaven. Now, I understand. How many of you that... It just doesn't sound right to say it out loud. But does the Bible say that all things are lawful for me? Does it say that? It never changes that. It never undermines that. All things, that's, what gra that's why grace is so wonderful. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons why this concept is so difficult for us is we think our sins aren't as bad as someone else's. Man, we're just sinners. Is that right? It, it, we're just sinners. If a man hates his brother, he's committed murder in his heart already. How many of you know Christians that hate somebody? Man, I do. I do. Can they still go to heaven? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Now, don't hate your brother. How many of you think it's helpful? It's healthy and helpful for your Christian life and your physical life to hate your brother. No. You will bear in your body and in your life the result of that behavior. The Bible talks about a root of bitterness springing up, right? And what, are you, what happens to you? You're defiled by that. And then everyone around you is troubled. That's what the Bible says. How many of you know of a bitter, hateful person and everyone is troubled in their immediate circle? Is that right? Man, I've seen, I've seen couples who they don't get bitterness resolved and they grow up, they get in their older years 
when they ought to be a blessing to young people. They're bitter and they're mean. Get off my grass! (laughs) You know? Just mean and bitter, arguing with each other all the time, hateful. You know, there's some saved people that behave that way. You ever known a saved person that behaved that way? I have. I have. Aren't you glad their salvation is not based on their behavior? Amen? So now, we got to understand this. Go, go with me to Ephesians 5.1. Oh, no, that's a different... That's, that's the next point. Sorry. So, this whole idea of antinomianism, that we can do whatever we want, well, yeah, I can do anything I want and still go to heaven as a believer, but I'm going to be chastened by God. God will punish me in this life, and He may turn my body over to Satan for Him to destroy it so that my soul will be saved in the resurrection. That's what the Bible says. Now, I might, I might need to explain that a little bit. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We're not going to take the time to read the text this morning. But the Bible's talking about a man who was committing fornication, and he was a church member at Corinth. And his sin was so bad that he was having his father's wife. And the church didn't want to judge. And they were proud of their non-judgmental attitude. And Paul said they ought to be ashamed. And so Paul told them to set them, to set him outside of the body and give him over to Satan outside of the body of the church, the local New Testament church. You can't be taken outside of Christ, can you? If you're saved, no. So you're taken outside of that New Testament church and given over to Satan for the destruction of the body. How many of you would rather not have that happen? Right? Now, so our behavior, our sin, our righteousness or our unrighteousness, it bears serious consequences in our bodies. A saved person can get AIDS by behaving improperly. Is that right? Any of the other diseases that would come along with that. A, a saved person can experience all of that and go to heaven. Why? Because that's how great God's grace is. Amen. So we, we have to get that. We're not saved by our works. We don't lose our salvation by our bad works. And yet, as believers, we are held accountable in this life for our behavior. All right? So that antinomianism is wrong. So what's the next heresy that we see here? Look at what it says. For ye are all the children of God. For ye are all the children. How many of you have heard we're all God's children? How many of you have heard that? He's got the whole world in His hands. He's got the whole world. Right? He's got my brother and my sister. Is that true? No. No. That is not true. Every person who's ever been born is a creation of God. Is that right? It's not by evolution. It's not by accident. Every person is a creation of God. That's why abortion is so awful. It's it's murder. It's killing a child. Um, I I would like to ask someone this question. Um, Just have them finish this question. It's right to kill a child when? Just finish that for me. It's right to kill a child when? 
not just add something. It's right to kill a child in the womb. When? Just have him finish that statement. Never. Amen? Never. So this, every person in the world is a creation of God, but are we all God's children? Are we all God's children? Look at now. Go to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. You know what? Before we go to Ephesians, we really ought to... (laughs) Go with me to John chapter 1. This is the definitive passage. John chapter 1. Look at verse 10. He was in the world. This is Christ. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to what? So apparently they were not. Is that right? When they received Him, He gave them power to become the sons of God. That means they were not the sons of God before then. Then look what the text says. Even to them that believe on His name. So how do you receive Him? By believing on His name. What's His name? The Lord Jesus Christ. It's not just Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. No. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That is, He's your ruler. You step off the throne of your life and He steps on. That's salvation. Then, look with me at verse 13. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. All right? So it's not physical. What is it? But of God. It's spiritual. There must be a spiritual birth. John 3 gives us this. Go to John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. Now, would you, would you mark that? I want you to understand something very clearly right here. We know. Who knows? The Pharisees. This is a very indicting passage. Look at what it says. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. All right? You see that? He doesn't say, I know that you're from God. A ruler of the Jews and a Pharisee. He says to him, we know. So look, why didn't they receive him? Because they didn't want to give up their power. They didn't, they did not, we will not, in Luke, we will not have this man to reign over us. That's what they said. Well, what were they refusing to acknowledge? His lordship. They, they wouldn't acknowledge his lordship. They knew he was from God and they still rejected him. Boy, you talk about judgment. And that's tough. Now, let's go on to what Jesus Christ said. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, how many of you here 
understand what it means to be born again. Would you raise your hand? You understand what it means to be born again. But now imagine what Nicodemus thought of that. Can you imagine? Go to the doctor. Doctor, you know what? I'm not feeling so good. My back hurts. My knee hurts. I just don't have that vim that I used to have. Well, I got the solution. You know what you need to do, Jim? You need to be born again. Well, yeah, probably. That would be good. But can a man enter again into his mother's womb? Fair, fair question, isn't it? Now, now I, I do have baby-like skin, and okay. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> I know Carrie News got a got a comment on that right there. <laughs> yeah, verse four. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, true, this is the truth. I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, or enter into the kingdom of God. So you've got to be born of water, and that's physical birth. Anyone who doesn't understand that? Right? That's physical birth and of the Spirit. Where does this spiritual birth come from? must be born of water and of the Spirit. How is a person born of the Spirit? Go back to chapter 1. We just read it. Verse 13 which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see that? So look, there's nothing that you can do physically to become a child of God. You've got to be born again. Now, how many of you participated in your birth? You worked real hard, didn't you? You know, how many, how many of you wish that you could re-choose your parents? No, don't raise your hands. What did you do? Nothing. Did you have any will in the matter? No. No. We've said this all the time. You can pick your friends, but you can't pick your, but you can't pick your family. You're stuck with them. Is that right? Hey, look around. These are the folks you're stuck with, so start to get used to them. This is your family now. So here's the idea. It's really simple. How do you become a child of God? You've got to be born again. How did you become a child? You were born. How did you, how did you become your, into your family? How did you enter into your family? You were born. You have a birthday. How do you get into God's family? You've got to have a birthday. Imagine this. Come on up here, Luke. This is ridiculous. Sixth grader, taller than me, but we'll, we'll do this. All right? So, Luke. Imagine I ask Luke, so when were you born? And he says, you know what? I think I've just always been. How many would you think there might be a little screw loose there? Or he's been watching Oprah, okay? <laughs> Look, when, when were you born? August 5th, 1999. 1999? I have socks that are older than you, okay? August 5th, 1999. That's when he was born. Is that right? 
That's when he was born. That's when, now, now, we understand that he was conceived nine months before that, and he existed then, amen? His life before that. But his birthday, because that would be kind of embarrassing. When were you conceived? That would be a very embarrassing question. So, <laughs> you having fun? No? All right. So, this is, this is so important. He was born. How do I know that? Because he's here. Genius, the stuff you learn here is just really deep. <laughs> All right, he's here. So how does a person become a child of God? He must be born again. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. You must be born again. This idea of, of a, a growing consciousness of God that somehow makes you a child of God is found nowhere in the Scriptures. Now, you may have a growing consciousness of your sin and your need for a Savior, and God, through His wonderful and gracious Holy Spirit, brings you to that point where you are born again. Now, I guarantee your mom's glad that it didn't take you three years to be born. How many of you ladies would say, praise God and holy is the Lamb and all that? Right? And yet people think that over a process of time they are born again? Is that the silliest? Seriously. You've got to take your brain out and play with it to think like that. It's just silly. But what happens is people, they're, they're deceived because of the next verse. Go ahead. Thank you. He'll be on the back row next week. <laughs> go, go to the to children of God. There are many more verses that we can look at. How many of you understand that if a person's lost, they're not a child of God? We've got to look at it. First John chapter 3. Let's look at the, let, let's do it. We'll skip Ephesians. <laughs> First John chapter 3. Look at verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Hi, who's your dad? Satan. It's it's plain. It's obvious. That's what the text says. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. What's this talking about? If I don't love my brother, does that mean I'm not saved? You can't know how to love your brother until you're saved. You can't love until you've been loved. You, you can't do righteousness because the Bible says all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. When you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, then you can behave righteously and perform righteousness. That's what the Bible says. So when you are saved, you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you're a child of God. When you don't have the, the Holy Spirit in you, you're a child of the devil. Remember what Jesus Christ said to, to the Pharisees? You're of the fa you are of your father, the devil. That's what he said to them. There are only two families in the world, God's family and Satan's family. That's it. You're either in God's family by being born into it the same way that you got into your family. You say, wait a minute, I was adopted. We're going to come to that. God takes care of all of that. God takes care of all of that. Okay, back to Galatians. Galatians. All right, first heresy, antinomianism in verse 25. Of course... There's behavior that is required of the believer, but not so that you can go to heaven. Verse 26, we're all the children of God. No, we're all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Then look at verse 27. 
For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here's the next heresy. Here's the next heresy. You've got to be baptized to be saved. That's what happens when you lift a verse out of its context. Is this talking about physical baptism? Well, was your being born again a physical new birth or was it spiritual? That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the Spirit is... It's very simple and yet people immediately go to the physical. That would be like dropping down to there's neither male nor female. Okay, let's take the signs off the bathroom. No. No. Now, that does mean something. It does have meaning. It's in the Bible for a reason. But let's not twist it into something that it's not, all right? So what about this baptism? For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is an interesting thing. It it gives us, first of all, a definition of baptize. Because how many of you here have any... This makes you think, okay, you were sprinkled on Jesus. No. No. You're baptized into. When you're baptized, you know, we can't fit our baptistry on the side of the pew or the pulpit. Right? It's like the Baptist preacher that went to the Presbyterian church and accidentally drank the baptistry. (laughs) That's funny. Look. No, because you cannot be immersed in something this big. Well, without it hurting a lot. Okay? So it's very simple. This gives us a good definition of baptism. We're baptized into Jesus Christ. It is immersion. That's the only thing the word means. When the King James Bible in 1611 was translated, that's what the word baptized meant. All the way back to the 1200s, baptized meant to dip in water. That's, that's, that's the definition of the word and the only definition of the word, okay? So now this is an idea. Somehow we are placed into Christ. We are baptized into Christ. How does that happen? Well, look at, let's see if we can get any kind of idea. Let's see if we can get any kind of understanding from the context. Look at Galatians 3, look at verse 2. This only what I learn of you, received ye the what? Spirit, verse 3. Are you so foolish, having begun in the... Verse 5. He therefore that ministereth to you the... Look down at verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the... So what kind of baptism are we thinking of, speaking of here? Spirit. It's spiritual baptism. Does the Bible say anything about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's start reading in verse 1, and let's see if we can understand the context again, okay? Now, concerning spiritual gifts, what kind of gifts? Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles, carried away unto these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the... Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the what? 
but by the Holy Ghost. Now, so in other words, you can't get saved without the Holy Ghost. Is that what the Bible says right there? All right. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same. Look down at verse 7. But the manifestation of the... Look at verse 8. For to one is given by the, the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same... To another faith by the same... And to another the gifts of healing by the same... Okay, so we won't keep going. What do you think the context is? The Spirit. So when you get to verse 13, for by one Spirit are we all baptized... Well, that's water. That's not talking about the Spirit. That's water. Again, that doesn't fit grammatically, logically, or scripturally. The Bible says very clearly, for by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. What body? Look at verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. We are baptized into Christ's body by the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says this about the believers. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Not that we will be. We are right now in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's how I can't be lost. That I am in Jesus Christ would have to go to hell in order for me to be able to go to hell because I am in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. That's what happened when I became a child of God. I was not only born again, but I was baptized by the Holy Spirit of God into Jesus Christ. Is that a process? How many of you glad, are glad that when I baptized you, it didn't take years? You'd have to grow gills. It wouldn't work. This is something that happens at a point in time. At a point in time. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit of God into Jesus Christ. Okay, back to Galatians. So baptismal regeneration. You know what? We need to look at this verse just to uh, make sure that we get this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you're a guest and you're thinking this preacher is very scattered, you're right. Okay. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17. Here's how I know that baptism is not a part of the gospel. All right? Verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. That's pretty cool. That is the clearest example of baptism not being a part of the gospel. Now, how many of you understand that many people were saved through the preaching of the Apostle Paul? Is that right? And yet he baptized very few of them. Why? Because he was an evangelist, not a pastor. He was a church planter. He then sent Titus to ordain elders in every city as he had appointed. These pastors that matured in those churches, those pastors then administered the ordinance of baptism. Baptism is important. It has its place, but its place is not for salvation. Baptism pictures what happens at salvation. Do you know what happens at salvation? You're baptized into Jesus Christ, His body. And after you're saved, as a testimony to that, you're baptized by immersion into the local body. 
You're baptized by the Spirit at salvation into Christ's body. And at, at your water baptism places you in the local body. God's only visible manifestation of His body on this earth is the local New Testament church. That's what baptism is. Obedience, identification, and submission. That's baptism. Now, go back to Galatians. All right, so let's start reading verse 26 again. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here's the, here's the beauty of that teaching. Here's the beauty of that teaching. The Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So Jesus Christ is in me, and I'm in him. How is that for unity? How's that for oneness? That is such a beautiful picture. So now we understand 1 John 3.10, where it's talking about the child of God and the child of the devil, able to do righteousness and love his brother. Why? I don't have any righteousness. I've put on Christ. I have His righteousness. And through the Holy Spirit of God that is in me, I can behave righteously and obey the righteous commands of God. What a, what a beautiful thing that is. Well, there are a couple more heresies, and we're not going to get to them this morning. I think it's just a wonderful thing for us to understand that I'm a child of God. Anybody here glad you're a child of God? Amen. Just for a minute before I close. Let's think about that for a minute. You kids... Let me see who I, I want to... Noah. This is the perfect. Come here, buddy. Finally, the right size child. Come here. You're perfect. Just the right size. I like this. Now, look. Have you ever... You'll see why I chose the right child in a minute. Have you ever done anything that would have been considered disobeying your parents? You see why I chose him now? Okay, so you disobeyed your dad. Is that right? So now you're no longer a joins, right? He took away your name? No? Andy? Is he still yours? What would it take for him to stop being yours? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, you might kill him, but he can't be unborn. Is that awesome? This is how wonderful it is to be a child of God. Now, Andy's a great dad. He is. Would you agree? Do this. You better do this. Okay. <laughs> now, Andy's a great dad, but how would he compare to God the Father? We would all fall woefully short. So, if he would never cease being his father, would your heavenly Father ever stop being yours? Thanks, Noah. I like to ask dads this, you know. Hey, Denver, what would it take for you to stop loving Lincoln? See, here's the deal. A child can break your heart. Is that right? A child can break your heart, but they can never stop being your child. They can't do that. And here's the, here's the wonderful thing about that. Don't raise your hand here. But how many of you know that you have failed your heavenly father? you know that you failed your Heavenly Father. 
Do you love your kids? Even when they do wrong, do you still love them? That's how much your Heavenly Father loves you. Yeah. Multiplied by infinity. That's what it means to be a child of God. By faith. By faith. You know, one of the worst things that you can do as a parent is teach your child that they have to earn your love. You all understand that's a bad thing to do. God doesn't do that to us. The Bible says this, But God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get good to love us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He loves you so much. All of us struggle in our Christian life. All of us go through periods of time where there are things that are separating us in our relationship to God. The illustration I like to use of this is when I was about 12, I think. My brother and I, my dad was a church planter and he had a furniture refinishing business to pay the bills. And he had just finished this beautiful dining room table. Thousands of dollars, this table. And he had just refinished this top. And it was perfect. My brother and I were in a fight. And my brother's a lot bigger than me. And so I would generally fight by throwing things at him. Okay? I threw a tape measure at him. He ducked and took a chunk out of the middle of that table. My father was still my father at that moment. <laughs> Our relationship suffered for a little while, basically until he was done teaching me a lesson with a dowel rod. <laughs> I still remember that lesson. Now, here's the deal. As that happened... Okay, my, And now as an adult, I understand better. My parents had almost no money. He had just finished that job, and I know they desperately needed the income from that. And now he's going to have to do it again. So there's a, not only was my disobedience and my immaturity, my, um, my, my just inconsiderate foolishness, and he drove the foolishness from me the way that the Bible says to. Um, all of that was going on. No doubt about it. But if someone had broken into the home at that moment and was going to do me harm, my father would have died for me at that moment. I was still his son. He might have wanted to beat... He would say this, I'll beat you to within an inch of your life. How many of you, your parents ever said something like that to you? Now, was he really going to do that? No. We would never abuse a child. Amen? We would never do that. But... There's a long way between time out and abuse. Okay? But this is the idea. Don't miss this. I damaged that table. My relationship with my father was hindered. He would have given his life for me at that moment. But if I asked him for $5 to go roller skating or whatever, not a chance. <laughs> right? That's why God uses... The, the person of the Father as a picture of Him. There's nothing I can do to cease being His Son, but there are things that I can do that will hinder our fellowship. I've used the word relationship. That's the wrong word. My relationship with Him will never change. My fellowship can be hindered. You see, that's where that antinomianism, that's where it hurts the believer. There is behavior that is required of you to maintain fellowship. Is that right? 
Your sin can violate your fellowship, but you'll never stop being His son. You'll never stop being His son. Now, somebody might be here saying, well, why does it have to be a son? Why can't it be a daughter? Well, because Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we are in Him. And in Him, there's neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We're all in Him. We don't have to change the language of the Bible for the culture. Amen? Amen. Jesus Christ was a son. And we become sons of God when we're in Him. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. If you're saved, Jesus Christ loves you. Your heavenly Father loves you. There's nothing you can do to get out of that love. Sometimes, because we are so aware of our own sin, it becomes very difficult to serve Him. You've got to understand He loves you. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. You're His child. You're His precious, beloved child. I hope that you'll understand that today. That's why it's so important to know that not everybody in the world is God's child. That can only happen by faith through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, I'm sorry.